0: This is Culture A Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and this is a show where we'll deep dive on the good and the bad with Middle East HR and talent experts on their challenges, strategies, and success stories to inspire your own journey. Listen in and get ready to unlock potential and drive results with Culture A. Okay, so let's jump right into it. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening in. On today's episode, I have a fantastic HR leader with me. Rajasri is the Global Director of People for Kitopi. Her work in the HR space has definitely not gone unnoticed. She's been awarded on multiple occasions for being an influential global impact HR leader, for being the most popular. HR leader in the Middle East under 30. So that's just to name a few. I'm sure there's a very, very long list in there. So Rajashree, thank you so much for coming on the episode with me today. I know that you are a human capital leader. You come with an abundance of international experience having worked across 14 countries and experts within the Middle East and North Africa, the APAC regions, and as well the EU. So a plethora of experience under your belt. That's all very, very impressive. I believe you've probably come across, I think you said it was... 76 plus nationalities throughout your journey. And I could go on and on and on. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop there, but what a fantastic introduction to a fantastic individual. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me today. I'm going to pause for a second, just to hand the mic over to you to give you a couple of minutes. If you want to add on anything to that astounding introduction, (laughs) please go ahead.
1: Thank you so much for such a roaring shout out. Sarah, it's my pleasure and honor to be on your channel today. I am definitely obliged with the fact that you leaders like you and, you know, individuals and, and professionals who are recognizing the work of, you know, other experts within the region. So that's that's a huge, huge plus. So thank you and good luck to you. Uh, Thank you. Keep this rolling. So Sarah, really, thank you so much once again to having me here. You've given it all with regards to my introduction. (laughs) It's just, I'll keep it small, short and sweet. My journey has just been from a pilot to an HR. And it's been over decades that I've been working in this field in particular. And I do believe that there's a purpose for this platform of being a human resources professional globally, which is to be the voice of voiceless. And that's my aim and that's my purpose. So yeah, thank you so much. I, I love, love that. that. <laughs> of course. Of course. No, my pleasure. And,
0: and absolutely. I love being the voice of the voiceless. I love that. There is a stigma attached to HR. This is the reason why I wanted to shed light through this podcast. We live and operate in the Middle East. We all come across similar challenges. There's a commonality in terms of struggles. We have like an abundance of corporate organizations and SMEs that are popping up like mushrooms all over the UAE, all over the Middle East where markets are booming. we're all faced with with similar constraints or similar struggles. In the HR teams of these organizations are individuals like yourself who are really kind of bulldozing a, a very innovative path, looking at things differently, thinking outside of the box. And I wanted to create a forum where we could Share our struggles, discuss our solutions, look at how we can support one another, and how to kind of brainstorm all together. So that that's the the thought process behind uh, bringing together this community of HR and talent experts. I want to jump into today's topic for discussion. It's it's a very interesting, very crucial, very key topic that all HR leaders are currently discussing, and that is nationalization regulations. We're going to focus specifically on amortization, so the nationalization regulation that's present in the UAE. Rajashree has done a lot of work in this space. You have been a thought leader in this space. You've been part of forums in this uh, to discuss this topic. And you've really collaborated with experts across a variety of, of organizations. So I want to hand it over to you. Maybe we could start off with just a brief introduction. If you could give our listeners a quick summary, what is nationalization? What is amortization? And then we can jump into how we are looking at it. What are we doing about it? And how are we going to drive success in this space?
1: Absolutely. Sarah, as you rightly pointed, nationalization is something which is spiraling amongst most and all of the HR leaders in the industries across multiple sectors. And I would just like to say in brief what nationalization is. It's all about hiring Emirati talent within your organization based on the statutory norms and regulations that have been announced by the government. With some changes that were recently announced by Ministry of Human Resources and Emiratization. This this I is and it's been published as a, as a change in the cabinet resolution where the whole of private sector and establishments are subject to emeritization targets, where you need to hire, recruit, Emirati talent into establishments. Where, you know, you have individuals in your trade licenses ranging from 20 to 49 employees all over. Now, mm-hmm. when I see this, when, when your trade licenses are having about 20 to 49 employees, you are required or establishments are required to at least hire one Emirati in 2024 and another yes. in 2025. That's the recent, recent announcement from Mohare. Now, these decisions have been taken and targeted towards certain economic activities within UAE, which requires all the establishments to comply with, be it Starants, be it SMEs. Initially, the previous regulation that was published was more towards any establishment, which is about 50 headcount or staff on one of the trade licences. You had to comply with 2% of Emirati talent to be recruited but now they have progressed and have increased the targets to be achieved by establishments so that's in brief what is the current approach on emiratization and what it really means so yeah
0: so thank you for that for that overview as i said before it's definitely a, a discussion topic that many hr leaders are are currently having we look at professionals across from the various subdivisions of HR, whether it's someone who looks at essentially employee retention, someone that looks like onboarding, someone that works within talent acquisition. And how do we attract these individuals? How do we bring them on board? How do we retain them? How do we develop them? And I think this is what the Ministry of Human Resources and Amortization wants us to focus on. It's not just hiring individuals and having them meet a quota. And I want to make that very, very clear. There's an abundance of nationals who are skilled who are educated, who want to work, and who want to be part of these these environments, whether that's the you know the smaller sort of organization, whatever it might be within a private sector, even corporations. So, how are we providing these opportunities for them, right? And and how are we being vocal about providing these opportunities? I think that's what everyone is trying to figure out or is trying to master, trying to find a niche. <laughs> Let's put it that way. You know, how can I attract uh, a national? Versus another organization, what makes me special? What am I offering that other organizations are not in terms of their development exposure and so on? So it's great. See that you've done some work in this space, obviously, being a global director of people, it's obviously something that is at top of mind for you, not just from a regulation standpoint, but essentially, again, from a long term perspective, right, as a strategy. That being said, I think we're also trying to balance and just want to put out a disclaimer. Everyone is focusing on this. However, nobody wants to do anything. How can I put this they don't want to implement or create any strategies that would then allow for any biases in order to continue to meet this regulation, right? So I was speaking with an organization recently that was talking about possibly carving out a, a separate onboarding plan just for UAE nationals. And I just thought, well, why would their onboarding plan be different? <laughs> you know, how is it different from, from other people? And, you know, so so I think there's like a delicate balance of how this is going to work. Let's talk about Ketopopi in particular, obviously, because this is a regulation that started to pop its head up probably in 2019, okay? And this is when there were trickling of information about a possible nationalization regulation. And I remember it came out of kind of thin air. And when it did, there was all of a sudden a restriction in terms of visas that we were able to offer employees that we were trying to onboard. So so XFAS that we were trying to hire, it caused a little bit of a roadblock and everyone was like, okay, hold on, where did this come from? So it started in 2019 and obviously has evolved and progressed since then. And here we are in 2023 with much more kind of clear defined specifics around this regulation. Can you walk me through Ketopi's journey and the evolution of the their amortization
1: approach from 2019 till days? Absolutely, Sarah. You rightly articulated this. Yes, from the time that it started in 20, 2019, it was... A very, very similar resonation and sentiments that we also shared, right? But I had the experience on embrittization coming from a semi-government organization in my past since, which is with the Dubai Holdings for a pre-opening project for the bypass and resorts. And not just that, because I oversee almost seven markets, seven countries, which includes Saudi, which includes Kuwait, which includes Qatar, which includes Bahrain. Nationalization in general, in most of these GCC. So it's more around how do we sort of be different or come across as an organization which is empowering trust within the community, within the society we live in, which is especially in UAE, where we call ourselves This is our home, this is our headquarters. And KITOPI is a tech powered F and B organization. And it's it's renowned as Unicorn. At one point in time we startup, now we have massively grown. Our current size is about 5,000 people plus. And this just goes on and on. Now, with this kind of blend that we currently have, and we speak about tech plus a blend of F and B, it's a unique combination, right? Within any sector that you would come across, but this is in particular, what do we do differently? Number one strategy or number one is a purpose. That purpose is trust, building trust the trust within the society to spread and share and say that we are an organization, we are welcoming Emirati talent, which is, as you rightly pointed, not just to meet the regulatory norms or compliances and so on and so forth. Yes, it's always there in the back of our strategy, right? So we have Mm -hmm. to ensure that's my bare minimum, no matter what, I need Mm -hmm. to ensure that I have the right talent positioned in a way that does it, penalizes the organization. I cannot ignore that fact. But having said that, what's my strategy to ensure that we are able to attract Emirati talent from their own perceptions of what hospitality industry is about, right? it's They're used to joining government firms, banking industry, and big force. This is where, you know, majority Emirati nationals are more attracted towards Mm -hmm. versus Startups, company, organizations which are into hospitality, retail sector, and so on and so forth. It's all Mm -hmm. about perception. Mm -hmm. What we've done differently is we embarked on our four pillars where we look at how can you benefit by joining our organization. That's our talent attraction and retention strategy. We look at providing invaluable work experience. When I say invaluable work experience, We've not only embarked in attracting successfully UA nationals into our organization by, you know, leveraging our platforms, which are through government portals, universities mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, mm-hmm. but we've gone a step ahead to say that we upskill your future. We are here to provide you flexible working. We are here, like if you come around our offices and see the state of the art office the space that we have, which will any Emirati national, or even for that matter, any expat would also enjoy working here. It's the trust to begin with that we share amongst our own community to believe and say that we take pride in hiring, retaining, growing our Emirati talent. And they're as equally treated as all our expatriate nationals. Now, when I say expatriates, we have about, uh, like I said, we're operating in seven countries and when we say seven countries, I do really have more than 40 plus nationalities within Kitopi, operating within Kitopi. And that's even more remarkable to think about how are we blending our nationals into such a diverse culture. We nice. have work for many policy. We have where anything that you wish for policy. So it's, it's diverse in its own when do you say stretch nature and hybrid work workspaces and environment that we are creating. So
0: that's fantastic and great insight. So thank you very much for that. I think you touched on something that I want to to emphasize. You said the regulation requires, you know, a certain uh, say number of nationals to be higher as a minimum. And that is what stood out for me because you speak with so many HR leaders that are, you know, scurrying, I think is probably the most politically correct way I could say it. Scurrying to, to meet this regulation in fear of any kind of penalties, right? So, and which is understandable, but they're not looking beyond filling that quota. What happens to these individuals? We are talking about people. Let's come back to the main topic. We are a people organization, right? So how are we supporting these individuals? What kind of career paths are we building? for them and for everybody else in the organization, are there clear defined career paths? If we're an organization that requires a very niche or a specialized skill set, which is difficult to find within this population. How? What are we doing to grow that skill set? Are we providing mentorship programs? Are we providing development programs? Are we hiring at an internship level and then growing them um, to kind of mold into uh, and provide them the skill set that we require for our organization? Does that come with, you know, a promise of a future role and retention? You know, there's there's many, many questions that I can go into. But it's great to see that individuals like yourself are thinking beyond just the regulation and taking it as a direct translation of what it is, you know, so so thank you for that. And it ties right into kind of where I wanted to go with this. From a UAE national, you know, how, from my perspective, if I, if I put myself in their shoes, what is Kotopi's current strategy doing to incorporate their long-term career growth within the organization?
1: If I keep it simple, with this question for for everyone who's listening here is the career part that we provide for our Emirati nationals is very similar to any other national that works at KTOB. So we have we have goals which which are set at the beginning of the year. We have something called as uh, and we really take pride right into this. We we call it ABCs, which is our ambition, bets, and commitments. Which obviously in layman's term or micro HR jargon, I would say it's our KPIs and we right. set them for our Emirati nationals as well. And they are as, what do you say, ambitious as it is for, for any other expat who is working in the same profile or different department and so on and so forth. So the career part and the performance enablement cycle that KITOPI follows is obviously just the, The regular one, which is for 12 months, and we look at similar appraisal programs, similar growth programs. But additionally, what we invest into Emirati Nationals is their training and their development. That's, That's something that I want to highlight here. Is because we have dedicated mentors for our Emirati nationals. And these are the, when you say on the job training. So you have the thumb rule of 70-2010. And we do believe on the 70% is really, really essential for an Emirati nationals development and growth within the organization. Right. I have personally, when, when I interview Emirati talent and I have embarked instances where nationals are at the stage of even figuring out what department suits them, what's the career field that they'd like to embark their career journeys on. And that's where we come in as coaches and we provide consultation to our nationals as well, doing their competency framework, due diligence, and looking at where will be the right fit for them so that they enjoy the work. And, you know, as the saying goes, you do wonders if you love what you do. So mm-hmm. uh, it's very important for us to give that platform to our nationals. So I, I literally have nationals who comes around saying, I love Snapchat. I want yeah. to do branding. I, I'd like to be a social media influencer. And uh, we provide that. We provide all of this. We test, of course, we assess their skills and we just see in regards to something called as a bar raiser. That's what we have within the organization where we, Assess our talent skills and their potential. So we, somebody could just step in as a fresh graduate, right? And trying to swim their way in the, in the corporate organization and trying to find their ways of how do we do? What do we do? But we try to handhold them until then their journey for at least about seven to eight months where we come to a realization that yes, they're comfortable. They fit in. They have the right skills. They have received the right tools that are required to deliver the job, and also a path towards you know their journey to grow. So they themselves come forward and share with us. Okay, this is the area. This is the field. This is how we would like to grow. This is what we want to do. So we have our continuous feedback sessions as well,
0: along with mm-hmm. maths. So yeah, fantastic. So that's hugely insightful, and I think it's great that you're actually taking into account their interests. And I, and I assume this is also something that you offer to your, to all of your employees. It's, it's not yes. just yeah. So that's fantastic because then it allows them to also take control in a way of where they want that career path to be headed. And I think that that's something that a lot of organizations don't, provide. So it's, it's great to hear about what Katopi is doing for, for their people. Let's talk about how the internal teams are collaborating on this. And the reason I bring this up is because I think a lot of organizations, regardless of their size, I've spoken with large corporations. I myself have experience within global multinationals. You see smaller organizations, regional companies that have difficulty mastering the art of cross functional collaboration and also have difficulty let's say with the bigger collaboration piece within the HR team, sometimes they work in silos. You know, your HR business partners are catering to their stakeholders. The talent acquisition team are are catering to their stakeholders. And there's not a lot of partnership or let's say a, a marriage of the two teams sometimes. When it comes to amortization, each of these teams or subsets of teams are connecting their own very valuable insights when it comes to these populations. Talent acquisition, is that first touch point. and the questions that you receive from candidates help you to gather these insights. You know what? What are? What's the office environment like? What is the working culture like? You know, uh, you know, how are things viewed from a flexible working arrangement point of view? Is that just a, a policy? Is it really enforced? You know, if I leave at five p.m., are people going to be like, "He's mm-hmm, out the door"? You know, so these questions they come up. They also come up in terms of course much more career development, uh, growth opportunities, uh, training resources. What are the teams within Kootopia doing, specifically within HR, to ensure that there is a dialogue, there is uh, a discussion happening between the two teams to consolidate these insights and leverage them to help with the traction?
1: So very, very valid points, Sarah. And we identified this gap at the very initial stage of our onboarding or induction itself, where it's it's not just about an HR recruiting and then onboarding Emirati talent and handing over the talent to the hiring department head and that's it, the job is done. Right. So right. we have something called <laughs> check-ins, which is a 30, 60 90 days check-in program, where from the beginning of an Emirati talent who steps in the company, we have an HR spot, which is dedicated to each Emirati talent in the department across who takes care of these dialogues and we kind of we almost are acting like facilitators in these discussions where we ensure that we step in it's like you know you have a zoom meeting and that's being held in different rooms and the one facilitator steps in in each of the rooms to see how are things moving forward. And I also want to share that it's not an easy journey, by the way, Sarah. It's not mm-hmm. that it's all rosy glory and, and it's all easy how, how we are discussing it right now, mm-hmm. because it's more on awareness for our hiring departments or the business leaders. It's more on awareness on adaption, even to, you know, sort of give them the knowledge that Emirati talent is also a talent, like, You don't have to see them that it's an Emirati that I need to deal with. It's a talent. You have a human being right there. You have an a member in your team whom you need to take care of, just as anybody else within your teams. And that awareness and education and coaching is continuous and ongoing from our side. Because we know, we know for sure that you, you know, it's, it's, Emulatization in reality is not a, logistically is not a challenge. Yes. You go out, you, you hire, you groom, you give them the platform, you develop, you retain, and they're happy. But it's more on the perception of the people who are driving this. So it's not just human resources driving emeritization; It's our entire organization. I can say that my, our CEO, he is extremely passionate about this topic. And she herself is one of our driving forces, alongside with our other, you know, C-suite leaders, who sort of embarks that this is how we got to deliver, and it's more on awareness that we spread and education. So,
0: yeah. So you 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 make a very very valid point, and actually, it's something that we didn't discuss previously. But I wanna I wanna throw in there if you don't mind. From my perception, okay. If I, if I put on my talent acquisition hat, because that is, that is my background. Okay. One thing that I always look for in candidates when I'm speaking with them, regardless of what the role is, is the ability to self reflect, because I think that that's key in learning. If you're not able to look within, see what you're doing wrong, learn from your mistakes, become better. There's, there's a gap there. Okay. That self-reflection is something that I expect of organizations as well from, from a broader, you know, if, if I can put it that way, sometimes we fall within this, like these rose colored glasses, you join an organization, there's so much passion behind their brand. There's so much passion behind their values. This is something that's driven by organizational leaders, by HR teams, by employees themselves, specifically those that are tenured, okay? They really believe this. And sometimes when someone new comes into an organization, they kind of expect you to just fall within this, like just comply with the fact that we are amazing and they're not able anymore to separate themselves, okay, from from what is actually working, what's not working. So have you seen that with Katopia I mean, I know that sometimes when regulations like this come about, it forces you to put yourself in that position. Was there ever a time where Kitopi had to pause and just say, okay, we're doing X, it's not working. How are we going to change it or tweak it?
1: Yeah, there was a time when we we did self-reflect and we did pause. And this was more towards, not towards again, like I said, meeting the minimum, bare minimum regulatory right. calls. But this pause were, was more towards what more can we do to add value towards the program for emeritization and how can we be the best place to work for within the region when it comes to emeritization and not just emeritization. Like I said, it's for everyone across across the globe who seeks employment and seeks interest in KitKopi. So mm-hmm. yes, we did. we did pause and respond reflect onto our own strategies as, okay, now we've we've reached here. Today we are, yes, 100% compliant and we take pride in that. But is that it? It, You know, is this all? Yeah, is that the question? Yeah. Yeah. So this is where we, we started recognizing our talent and rewarding our talent who are performing extraordinary within the organization amongst the Emirati nationals as well. So we do have appreciation channels with our, which are within the organization. These are internal channels and we go ahead and we recognize our key talent in the organization by rewarding and, and appreciating mm-hmm. their efforts. And that's an ongoing, what do you say, practice for us. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like, you are a superstar. You deserve it. Well done. There you go. Yeah. And there's also vice versa, right? So there are, there are instances when can we as well go through challenges where there's no show from, from an Emirati talent? And it's not about, you know, any sort of nagging or nudging or complaints from the hiring department, but again, an open dialogue. What happened is the first question that we ask. Mm-hmm. And you and we give that platform to our people to sort of collaborate and understand, okay, we are all human. Things may happen and this is how we go forward and we deal with it. So yeah. yeah. That's okay, going fantastic. That's, uh, that I think is
0: the right approach. I mean, with this and with anything else, I think that you're implementing when it comes to people, people are people, <laughs> they're unpredictable. <laughs> they change, they evolve, you know, and you have to implement, you know, very large strategy to try and meet some of the objectives that you have. And sometimes you have to implement small things like recognition, that small little ways to recognize, you know, or to spread recognition or appreciation between your employees. How do you up your employee value population uh, proposition? And how do you make sure that everyone feels valued in the organization? We expect employees to give 150%. How much are we giving to them as an organization to retain that talent? So I think, I think it sounds like the thought process behind a lot of things that Katopi is doing is, is creating this really collaborative, evolving, good place to work I think for lack of like to simplify it it's just a place that you know uh, you know houses individuals and you're expecting that commitment from them and I think you're, you're gonna be able to see that that will come into fruition with what you're offering so it's great to see that I know you've had the opportunity to speak in various forums about this uh, topic in particular what would you say is like the when well, actually let me take a step back how 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 would you say that you personally keep your your finger on the pulse of what's happening with this topic?
1: So quite frankly, Sarah, for me, my network is my network, so mm. it and and I again, I take pride in having to build these connections for over a decade now within the region. And like you mentioned in the, in the initial conversation and when we begin, it's all about supporting be it any industry, any level, any organization you work at. I'm always, always ahead of the curve only and only because of my connections and networks. So anything that comes around, you know, that's alarming, that's to be alerted. I'm aware. Have the right connections, even within the ministry so that, if, you know, and, and they help. So these are relationships. That's how I sort of stay ahead of. So yeah.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. No, and, and you make a good point about individuals within the ministry. I myself have contacts within them and they, as you said, they help. They want to help. They're there to support organizations. They're not there to enforce a regulation. They're there to really support and they're building channels to be able to provide exposure to this population. They're helping send individual CVs. They're, you know, gathering requirements from various organizations. They're running recruitment days. I mean, there's really like a number of things that they're doing to support. So it's fantastic to see that when we have a partnership with the ministry, it truly is a partnership with the ministry. And it's a great resource, obviously, to have. So it's good to see that you're tapping into that network and your broader one as well. You're right. I think specifically within HR leaders, it's important to have that community and to stay active within that community. So so I completely hear you on that one. (laughs) Okay. Talk to me about what you would say are probably your top three tips to make sure that a company is able to show their impact in the UAE.
1: Sarah, again, for me right now, HR transformation is more urgent Then, Deborah, as talent has becoming and is becoming an ever greater driver of competitive advantage. And it's critical for success in UAE or in any part of the world with new cost pressures, hybrid work models and ever evolving employee expectations. One needs to needs to ensure that your talent transformation, your HR transformation journey is well Mapped, be it from the beginning of the year that you start planning your strategy and at least have a roadmap for the next three years for the organization, aligning the goals and the objectives of uh, vision, mission, and purpose of the company, and then embark onto your strategy. So, mm-hmm. first step that I would I, I I'd like to give is build an build a HR strategy and HR function and adapt it as the business and operating environment changes and stay ahead of the curve. Like I said, it was only when COVID hit, 2020 was the time when entire, what do you say, industry or sectors realized and recognized the value of human resources leaders. When businesses shut down, people, I mean, the owners or the CEOs or the founders are the leaders or the business leaders didn't really know what to do. And they all looked at, where's my HR leader? What am I supposed to do with the people? So, um, yeah, it's it's an ongoing journey. Even when in my previous organizations, it was more towards sustainability. It was more towards resilience, building resilience within your uh, thought leadership, influencing decisions through people, data and analytics, showing the big picture and full picture of pros, cons. Recommendations and allowing the business leaders to take the right decisions. I think it's essential that we as HR leaders drive the owners or the CEOs or the business leaders by giving them the right picture on the people side. And I, I, I don't know for many reasons, I've seen that this is one area where human resources leaders and in my, in my view, it's just my view. Should stay ahead of the gob and look at transformation and continuous evolution. It is it is an evolution. Yeah, You're millennials and so on and so forth. The gaps that you have within each generation and your own population, employee population within the organization, you need to understand the pyramid. You need to understand the curve, and then design your HR strategies accordingly. So yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I resonate with so much that you said. I think that when COVID hit, it very aggressively forced organizations to look within and understand what they were going to do. Everyone scrambled to figure it out. I think prior to COVID also, and in some ways still now, there or again, this is just my opinion, a lot of organizations, HR organizations in particular, were not leveraging the use of data or metrics to help. Drive that narrative with the business. And as you rightly said, it's very important to have conversations and to run it uh, to, to, to produce and, and nurture, let's say a dialogue about yes. people in your organization. You're never going to be able to turn the page and really drive things forward without leveraging data, right? And, and metrics to look at that. When we, when we look at amortization, obviously, you can look at metrics from your TA perspective in terms of how your funnel health is doing. And and when it comes to HR, you're looking at how many you have onboarded and where within your employee population, you look at retention, you look at attrition to understand what's going on. So there are metrics that people can leverage. I think it's important that we also recognize that in a post well, I don't know if we're post COVID, but in a post COVID world, there's there's a difference in behavior of candidates as well. The market is saturated with very strong talent. Okay, particularly in the UAE. I'm speaking from the UAE because we're focused on yeah. advertising. Of course, there is strong talent in other markets, but it is saturated, and with a lot of organizations recently undergoing massive restructures and and so on post-COVID where a lot of organizations reduced headcount sizes again that started the market with strong talents. They are in more of a position of power to carve out their expectations of what of what they need from an organization in terms of flexible working arrangements, in terms of, you know, the value add and the impact they can make. How quickly can they make an impact? How quickly can they see that impact? You know, I think it's like a hungry population. It's different from what we used to see. So I'm totally aligned with you. There needs to be an HR transformation strategy put in place to make sure that it is accounting for this change in behavior and dynamic in the market. And it's a strategy that, although it's long-term, as you said, I think three years or five years, it's something that remains agile because what we're seeing now, this shift. Yeah, I mean, I I can only predict we're going to see further shifts and changes in this space. So... I completely hear you and I am totally aligned. So thank you for that tip.
1: <laughs> thank you, Sarah. I, I, I must recognize the fact that the, the right word is agility. So, mm-hmm. well, 100%. And um, again, uh, the impetus for change, uh, while you know that, uh, and this is from the PwC stats that were released, that the UAE economies has heavily relied on expatriate and that partner represents about 89% of the total population and mm-hmm. only 4% account for Emiratis within the private sector today. Right. Now, with these kind of stats, I think it's, it's essential for all the HR leaders. We are only speaking about the, the point that you made, saturated right. talent that we are, we are dealing with. Mm-hmm. It's essential to have your strategy rightly placed and positioned and it's, it's not about having knowledge, Sarah. I think a lot that I, that I come across in my, and this is across my two years of two decades of experience. Every other business leader has an opinion about HR. Right. Uh, and, and they all have it. They all have it in, in their own shapes and form. You only have the knowledge, but it's essential that one also recognizes that you, you need an HR leader who can transform this knowledge and execute 100%. this knowledge very correctly, and, and that's where your business impact is. That's where your real value add is. So, yeah, I mean, this is all that I had to say. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First of all,
0: let me wrap up by saying thank you once again. I, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you providing our listeners with insight for them to understand what Kiktopi is doing, what you you personally are doing to help drive this forward, and I appreciate, and I'm sure other people who are listening and also appreciate the commitment that you have in making sure that you're building out a supportive work environment for these employees, for these employees, and for every other employee that you have. I think that support is something that is lacking in a lot of organizations, so it's fantastic to see that yours your people org is is led by somebody like you who believes in it. So thank you once again. I appreciate it. And um, I'm sure this is not the last time that I'm going to have you on the podcast. I'm probably going to be knocking on your door quite a few times for us to discuss further things. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. For those of you who are listening in, you know what to do. Please like, subscribe, provide us your feedback. We'd love to hear back from you. If you have any questions for Rajashri or myself, feel free to please ping over a question or two and we'll we'll definitely get back to you. Thank you again so much, Rajashri. Take care. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you.
1: All right.